Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode number six, and this is your first official regular season Eagles preview. We're going to be breaking down the Eagles-Falcons game taking place in just a few hours. Man, regular season football the defense of the Super Bowl title is almost here. I'm John Stolness. I'll be with you for the next little while to uh, break down this game. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. And joining me as he's going to do every week this week for these Eagles preview podcasts is the brains behind the operation at BleedingGreenNation.com. Brandon Lee Gowton, BLG, real football, real honest-to-goodness football is just hours away, my friend. John, I cannot believe we are here. It I know. Feels not that long ago when I was, and I think I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I just, I feel like it was like a month ago that mm-hmm. yeah. I was sitting in Minnesota just watching the Eagles win the Super Bowl and just feeling so elated and just feeling like this feeling was going to last forever. And in some ways it will, but it's just incredible how short of a turnaround it's been since then. I can't believe, like it doesn't feel real yet that the Eagles are playing two days away and I couldn't be more happy, of course, John, to be here with you on everyone's favorite Eagles podcast, talking with everyone's favorite Eagles host named John. So it is it is good to be here talking with you. <laughs> I'm glad to be doing a preview show. And the most knowledgeable uh, Eagles writer and Eagles podcast, uh, Eagles podcast host with three initials, BLG. Obviously, it's a my pleasure to be here with you and to be doing this and to be embarking on this uh, Super Bowl defense uh, here. And it's going to be a good season. I just I feel it in my bones. It's going to be a good season. Uh, I think you're right. I think I'm still living off that Super Bowl win. I still remember. I still remember it like it was yesterday. I can still smell the beer in the air. I can still smell. I can still hear all the sounds and the sights and everything like that. And it also doesn't hurt that the NFL Network runs Super Bowl 52 three times a day. So they haven't let us forget about it. They must get good ratings. You know, I, I imagine the Philadelphia audience every time they stumble across Super Bowl 52 on the NFL Network sits on it for a few hours because everybody just wants to relive it. But now we get to move forward with new games, a new season. You know, we got some new players. We got uh, a new schedule laid out in front of us and uh, a new opponent coming up here on Thursday night that we're going to get to all that in just a second. But first, I want to remind all you guys, if you haven't yet, if you're not subscribing to Bleeding Green Nation's podcast feed, why the heck aren't you? Do that now. Go to wherever it is you're getting your podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. Make sure you're subscribing to the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. You'll get this podcast, the Kisten Solak Show, and all of the great interview shows that um, Michael Kist and, and Brandon and Benjamin Solak are doing, which is just a ton and an enormous amount of fantastic comment for the only Eagles podcast in human existence. Also, check out our other Philly uh, SB Nation brands, uh, The Good Fight. If you're into Philly's podcasts, uh, make sure to become a subscriber to The Good Fight podcast feed. I host a couple Phillies podcasts there called Hit and Season. You're going to want to check that out. If you're a big Sixers fan, man, hard to find a more exciting team in the NBA to root for than the Sixers right now. Go to the Liberty Ballers podcast feed. Subscribe to that one. And, of course, the Flyers. Um, that the, the Broad Street Hockey podcast is is fantastic. If you're a Flyers fan, make sure that you are getting that one on your on your phone as well. But, again, the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed is the first one you want to make sure you subscribe to and check out. 
All right, let's do this, BLG. Um, let's talk about this Eagles-Falcons game coming up here on Thursday night. And just as a reminder for people who don't remember, you would have to have been knocked unconscious, I think, within the last 48 hours or been hit with some kind of degenerative disease in order to forget this. But the Eagles, the last time they played the Falcons was, of course, last year in the divisional round of the playoffs. It was a tight contest. BLG, this game, I honest to goodness thought that they were going to lose it when they when the Falcons started driving downfield, they got it down to the two-yard line. 15-10, to 10, Eagles had a really slim lead there at the end. It didn't look like in the first half this was, an, this was a performance that was going to be good enough for the Eagles to move on to the NFC Championship game, but this is one of those playoff wins where they found a way to do it, and really it was just a matter of kind of working out the kinks until Nick Foles found his rhythm, and eventually it was a rhythm that he would ride all the way through the rest of the postseason. Yeah, very true. I mean, you look back at that first half and that Eagles Falcons team, and Nick Foles just straight up wasn't good. I mean, no, he wasn't. If that interception, you know, or should be interception, if that ball doesn't go off Keanu Neal's knee and instead he picks that thing off, I mean, did the Eagles win that game? I don't think so. So, um, you know, it it could be a much different game in that situation. So, you know, they they did get that lucky break. But overall, you know, we did see Foles settle in in the second half, which is nice to see. I mean, uh, we'll see how things go around this time i mean in some ways there's a lot of similarity with these two teams they're not like you know it's not two different coaching staffs two different quarterbacks a lot of there's a lot of similarities here but there are some key differences um and i think the thing with Foles is and oh by the way i think you know we've already talked about this but nick Foles is starting (laughs) it's not going to be carson Wentz, and i don't know where my level of confidence is at with nick still because Yes, he's the Super Bowl MVP. We've seen him play great. But the preseason is a reminder that he can also play terrible. And I don't yeah. think, you know, it's fair to just look at the preseason and say, oh, well, he's death. that just means he's going to be bad in week one, too, because he's going to have Jason Peters at left tackle instead of mm-hmm. Big V. That's a big help. A big, big difference there. Yeah. Uh, he's going to have the game planning going for him like they didn't have in the preseason. And Nick Foles is a player who really needs the game planning going for him. Like Nick Foles doesn't just carry a team for the most part. You know, right. he needs every the system to work for him, and that's fine. He executes within that system at a very high level sometimes. And you feel good about him when he is getting in a rhythm and he does get things going. And maybe we'll see that on Thursday night. But it's just that the chance that you could always get bad Nick instead of good Nick. That kind of scares (laughs) me a little bit. I do think the defense is good enough where even if that does happen, you're still in this game. But, I mean, it's going to be a tough one. I mean, the Falcons are a really good team. Um, I think that kind of gets overlooked. or It's easy to forget that sometimes just because, you know, they, they choked in the Super Bowl. And then they, you know, they lost in the divisional round last year, even though it was yeah. close. But uh, it's going to be it's going to be a big challenge here. This is a quality opponent. No, no doubt about it. The Falcons are a team that some people are picking to, to go to the Super Bowl or at least to certainly uh, to, to win their division. Uh, they're not you know, a heavy favorite to do that because the NFC is just stacked with so many really good teams. But this is a very talented team. The Eagles will be playing uh, last year in the playoffs. Nick Foles went 23 at 30 for 246 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. But again, there was that that one that one ball where it looked like it could have been intercepted. <laughs> he had two fumbles in the game, uh, was sacked one time. Uh, the Birds did a pretty good job with Matt Ryan, uh, who went 22 of 36 for 210, one touchdown, three sacks in that one. And of course, we all remember that last play at the two yard line with the ball going right through Julio Jones' hands at the very end. He would have landed out of bounds anyway, even if he'd caught it. So. I take a little bit of comfort in that as well. The Eagles did a really good job defending that final play. But as we're looking ahead to this game on Thursday night, you mentioned it. Carson Wentz is not going to play. Eagles medical staff making this decision. BLG. He's he's still not ready to. He's still not ready to go. Has not been cleared for full contact as of yet. And you know, the more I've been thinking about this, I was really hoping that they would push him for Week One. But I, I've come around to the idea that you know. I'm willing to take a longer absence from him. I'm willing to let it go two, three, four weeks or whatever it happens to be because, you know, we talked about it on a couple of podcasts ago. I've been through the quarterback wasteland with this team. I, I've been wandering through the desert for 40 years, you know, looking for mana that, that happened to come in the form of Bobby Hoying and Coy Detmer. Talking myself into Coy Detmer, BLG, there's nothing more depressing oh my gosh. than talking yourself into Coy Detmer. It's terrible. And Ty Detmer and Rodney Pete. And I lived through the 1991 season where you had uh, Kemp and Gable, a Jim McMahon that was basically being held together with duct tape and rubber bands. I mean, I've, <laughs> I, I, I don't want that again. You know what I mean? I, if, if holding Carson Wentz out for a few more weeks means 
there's a much, there's a better chance that he's that he's going to stay healthy for the foreseeable future. I'm fine with that. It, I'm absolutely fine with that. It's a fair point. The only thing I wonder about that, and the thing that kind of annoys me about that, John, is when uh, like you see Carson Wentz's doctor telling John Clark last week that, oh, the longer you hold him out, the the you know the better chance he won't get hurt. But I mean, like. Okay, so what do we do? Just keep him out the whole season? Yeah. I mean, no, yeah. obviously, but it's just like you know, when when is that point where he gets to okay, we're not pushing it, and he's, we're not going to have the chance of re-injury be too high, but like, how much is this you know, a couple extra weeks here or whenever it's going to be make a difference? So that's kind of where my I start to wonder about that. Uh, we saw former NFL doctor David Chow, and take it for what it's worth, this, I feel like this guy, you know. Uh, kind of has, you know, there's some mixed history with this guy, so I don't want to just take his word as gospel. But he was saying he thinks Carson Wentz is still multiple weeks away and kind of sounded like more of like halfway through the season than soon. Of course, he is not examining Carson right. Wentz personally, so you have to take that for what it's worth. I think the thing with Carson is that maybe that week three date that Peter King had thrown out there with the Colts, which was kind of nonsense, just the way he explained yeah. it. Cause he was like, Oh yeah, you just bring them back against the Colts because their defense right. isn't we, any we good. We scoffed at yeah, that a little like, bit. Yeah. Didn't we? Yeah. The Cause the logic is still bad, but I think he, I think he heard something clearly. And I think he threw, you know, he was trying to present the information through opinion rather than report it forward just as, as information. But I think maybe that's when we would see him in week three. Uh, Doug Peterson did say, on Tuesday morning, his press conference that Carson is close. And I think the important thing to note here, John, is that Carson hasn't been cleared. Mm-hmm. It's not this the case of he has been cleared and they're just holding right. him out because I don't think we're going to see right. that. I think once he is cleared, I think he's going to play, as we have said, or at least I have said, they should do. So uh, I hope we see him soon because for as good as Nick Foles is, or can be, I should say, I don't want to hear that Nick Foles has proven he can win us the Super Bowl. I mean, yes, that is literally true because he did help the Eagles win the Super Bowl, but that doesn't mean he can just start for half the season yeah. and, you know, the team will be in great shape. You heard Jeffrey Lurie say it, like that, and you, you said it just not too long ago, John, that the NFC is stacked. Mm-hmm. Like, you need your best players out there, and they're going to need Carson out there at some point. I mean, hopefully... Uh, with Nick starting, this team does weather the storm and finds a way to be in a good spot. But I mean, eventually, sooner than later, he's not going to him alone. I feel like he's just not going to get it done for this team and they're going to need Carson. And I'm looking forward to when that day comes. Yeah. Nick Foles reminds me of like an erratic star pitcher, you know, as as somebody who covers the Phillies really closely. Yes. He reminds me a lot of Vince Velasquez yes. or, or like Nick, <laughs> Nick Pavetta. These guys who, you know, you, they're capable of going out there and throwing a 16 strikeout two hit shutout. I mean, that is, is totally that's what we saw comp? in the Super Bowl. Mitch Williams as a closer, I think, you know, yeah, certainly that that's a that is a every now and then, you know, Mitch Williams would go out and strike out the side and then he'd also be a guy who gives up five runs and doesn't get anybody out. That's a very fair comp, you know, and I think that's true of Nick Foles. I think what we saw in the Super Bowl and in the NFC Championship game were masterpieces. And you know that those games are in him. They're reminiscent of that entire season that he had a few seasons ago where he only threw two interceptions or whatever it was. And, you know, we saw him when he's locked in like that. He has said this, you know, I think he said earlier this week, uh, BLG, that he is a rhythm player. You know, he needs to get reps. He needs to get a lot of play. And he hasn't gotten reps. You know, he's only been starting for a quarter or a half in these preseason games. He hasn't had anywhere close to his full complement of players, whether it's Jason Peters on the offensive line or the skill position guys. And we're going to get into a couple of the fact that he's going to still be missing at least one major skill position guy here on Thursday coming up in just a minute. But, you know, this is something that Nick Foles needs. He needs he needs players around him. Like you said, he can't carry a team. He needs to have a game plan going for him. And he needs to he needs to play. You know, he needs to play full games in order to get into that rhythm. We saw that in the Falcons game last year. It finally started to click for him. After a couple weeks, you know, he had that great game against the Giants the first week after Wentz got hurt. And then he really struggled for a couple of weeks. It took him that time. For, and it took the Eagles' uh, uh, coaching staff that amount of time to figure out what kind of plays work for Nick Foles, incorporate them into the, into the offense, practice it up during the week, and then for it to finally click 
once the regular se- once once the uh, the second half of the Falcons game got underway. That's what Nick needs. Yeah, and I feel like you feel good about the coaching part for sure because you still have Doug here. Sure. Um, you don't have John Filippo, which could hurt. You don't have Frank Reich, which we'll see. That'll be that's kind of like an underrated thing here. I'm sure if the offense does poorly, everyone's going to soon to blame that, which will not be fun. And hopefully that won't happen with Mike Groh yeah. and Press Taylor being the new guys as OC and quarterback coach, respectively. So, I mean, I feel good about the coaching part. And that's genuinely one of the things I loved about last season and the playoff run. Like, Doug was awesome. He was awesome in was. all three games. He did not have a bad game. And I'm not trying to show no. th- throw shade on Nick Foles. I'm just saying that Doug was great in every single game. You think about that Nelson Aguilar handoff in the Falcons game. When this team yeah. couldn't get anything going, they needed a spark, he just dials that in there. Also, his aggressiveness to go for it. And what was a fourth and goal? And like Garrett Blunt gets that yeah. touchdown. Like, he, Big play. his coaching had a huge reason to do with why they won that game. So I feel good about it from that perspective. I'm not so worried about that. It's just, um, it's the situation, John. You had mentioned earlier that Alshon Jeffrey, we know he's going to be out. He's probably looking at that week three return like we talked about last week. Um, But then Mac Hollins is going to be out too. Doug Peterson said it today. That's two of your top four receivers. That's not nothing. Um, So the, the only guys you have are Mike Wallace, Nelson Aguilar, um, Shelton Gibson, DeAndre Carter, and Marcus Wheaton, who the Eagles brought back, signing him today after putting Richard Rodgers on IR. And a quick aside with that, it looks like Richard Rodgers might return later this season. You can have two players that come off IR during the season. He wouldn't be able to come back until after week eight. The Eagles have a bye in week nine, so maybe we'll see him again in week 10. But as far as this week goes, uh, yeah, you're, you're thin at wide receiver, and that's not the end of the world because you have – to, that's why this is why you drafted Dallas Goddard in part so that right. if you're suddenly looking light at receiver and you can't count on them okay let's just run a lot of two tight end sets now and then even this is why you bring back Darren Sproles too right and why you have Corey Clement around like because now you can get those guys involved in the passing game so I don't think Nick Foles lacks options certainly but you do kind of have to have some level of concern because Mike Wallace was missing some time in training camp um, I think he looked good in camp overall. We didn't see a lot of him in the preseason, which might concern some people, but he was still be- burning people in camp. I think he still has that deep speed. I think he'll be fine. I think he's a veteran player who might not show up in the preseason. He'll be fine the regular season. But Nelson was missing time. He missed a good. He missed every preseason game, so he didn't really get to play with Nick or practice with him too much. And then those other guys, Shelton Gibson, uh, DeAndre Carter. And then Marcus Wheaton, I don't that Wheaton was missing some time, um, so I just don't know, you know, how much those guys are going to be on the same page immediately, and that's that's important. That's important for yeah. when you're Nick Foles and the Eagles are lon- running a lot of timing based things with the RPOs and and everything they're running there. So that's it's not something to uh, just brush aside for sure. Well, that's why I think the offense is going to get off to a little bit of a rocky start here in this first game for a lot of the reasons that you just mentioned. And it doesn't have as much to do with the fact that the offense struggled in the preseason. It has to do with the fact, like you just said, these guys haven't played with each other very much in game action yet this year. And they're going to be missing a big playmaker in Alshon. And Matt Collins has has some speed on the outside. Um, you know, I think... Um, you know, the, and we know the Falcons like to play a cover three with a, a single high safety. So, I mean, the, they're defensive philosophy is to keep everything in front of them which means like we saw in the playoff game last year you didn't see the Eagles hitting those big plays um, where they where they stretched the they stretched the ball down the field everything was kind of you know moving the ball in five and six yard chunks so you get a 10 and a 12 yarder here and there but it's it's very methodical and I think that I think that does play into you know the RPO uh, strengths of Nick Foles and it it does play into some of the strengths that the Eagles still do have. Like you mentioned, having Sproles that you can line up in the slot, having Corey Clement, who improved dramatically as a receiver out of the backfield last year. And I was curious how much two tight ends they were going to play, how much action Goddard was going to get in this game, because you're probably not going to see a whole lot of three wides in this game. I wouldn't imagine, because is is Aguilar going to play to the outside a little bit more? Is he going to jump back and forth between slot and outside? Because it seems to me... You have some options in the slot with your running backs and your tight ends. I know Aguilar is a whole lot better in the slot than he is on the outside, mm-hmm. but in this particular case, does that make more sense to keep Nelson on the outside a little bit more in this one? 
Well, it's interesting you bring that up, John, because Dave Spadaro, our good friend, wrote a piece for BleedingGreenNation.com on Tuesday that mentioned that Nelson Aguilar will get some time on the All outside, right. which I, I thought was a little interesting that he, you know, he just, he's given the game plan away here. <laughs> Come on, Dave. No, I'm just kidding. Dave is great. Um, but it's still, he did say that very confidently that Nelson is going to play on the outside as well from the slot. And he said that he wouldn't be surprised if Aguilar is targeted 10 times in this game. So it seems like Nelson could be a factor this week for sure. And look, I said it, I think, when we were doing some of these episodes in uh, leading up to the preseason games, Nelson Aguilar was having one of the best camps, arguably had the best camp of any Eagles player in training camp this summer before he got hurt. So, I mean, he was looking great. He was burning guys deep. He was looking impossible to cover in general. So I, I do expect Nelson Aguilar to have a big year this year, and it would be great if they could get some good production here right away just because, like we've been talking about, you're missing those key receivers. So he could be that that key target for Foles. And you want to talk about kind of lack of chemistry with some of the newer guys like uh, uh, Mike Wallace or Shelton Gibson who didn't have a big role last year. I mean, obviously, Aguilar is a guy that Foles was able to play with. And, and they look you look back to the Super Bowl, that connection was going pretty well. And then even in, they had some moments in the regular season as well. Uh, Foles had that touchdown to Aguilar in the Giants game, as we remember. So I think Aguilar could definitely be a key player in this matchup. You look at the Falcons, I think they have Brian Poole as their slot corner. I mean, that guy isn't scaring you as much as, uh, you know, Trufant on the outside. Um, so I think yeah. that is definitely an area where um, they could look to attack this Falcons defense. Take, looking at the D line for the for the Falcons, they have some guys who can rush the passer. How how and but the Eagles, of course, they're one of their strengths is on the offensive line. As long as Big V is not in there on a regular basis, when you've got Jason Peters anchoring that left hand side, and you got Lane on the right side, and you know we all know about Jason Kelsey's athleticism and how the the offensive line really, when you have the same those same five guys in there doing their thing. There's not a lot of defensive lines that get the best of them on a weekly basis, but the, the Falcons have a pretty decent defensive line. How do you see that matchup shaking out, both in terms of pass protection and opening up some running lanes for Jay Ajayi, who had a pretty good game against uh, the Falcons last year in the playoffs, uh, 54 yards on 15 carries? Yeah, I wanted, I do want to see the Eagles pound the rock here a little bit, see how they can get that going. You have to feel good about this offensive line being one of the only offensive lines in the NFL. I think one of five or four returning all five starters so from last big. year. It's so big, BLG. It's, it's huge. The continuity. Just getting Jason Peters back is gigantic yeah. because that guy was playing. First of all, the guy is a future Hall of Famer. No doubt about it. But secondly, I mean, he was playing at an all pro level last year before he got hurt. Now, will he be the same player? He's 36. He's coming off the ACL injury, obviously. But man, I I do not bet against Jason Peters. That guy is a freak. I think having him out there will be great. At the very least, we know it's going to be an upgrade on what Big V has been giving the Eagles this summer. So it'll be great to have him out there. I think uh, the fact, look, like you said, the Falcons have some some good defensive linemen here with Tack McKinley and Vic Beasley coming off the edge. I don't think those guys are, are world beaters. You know, I don't think they're the elite pass rushers of the NFL, but they're good. They can get pressure on Nick Foles. And then Grady Jarrett is uh, arguably one of the more underrated line defensive linemen, I would say, in the league. There's a lot of love for him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the Eagles, it's not going to be a cakewalk for them up front, but I do think they can win these matchups. I do think they're going to open some holes for the running game. I mean, Jay Ajayi, man, he is – I feel like he's so forgotten he about is. in some ways he is. And he last looked, year. And he looked good in the preseason too, BLG. He was running really he hard. He did. Yeah. He was almost running too hard. Yeah. It's like, yo, man, like calm down. Like don't get hurt. Yeah, save some bullets, dude. <laughs> and and he has been dealing with a bit of a foot injury, so hopefully that's kind of not really bothering him in the game. He was limited in practice on Monday, but he was full go today, so that's a good sign. Uh, but again, this is a guy who averaged 5.8 yards per carry with the Eagles last year. And now you would hope that, okay, he's had a full offseason in the system. He kind of understands the offense better. He might be more, even more comfortable than before. So I definitely want to see them go to a Jai early on and see if they can get that going. You know, it's kind of funny. You're right. We don't talk a lot about Ajayi's contribution to this team last year. It's not often that you trade for a, a midseason acquisition like that that ends up paying such big dividends, especially uh, at a skill position. You know, I can't remember the last time another wide receiver or running back was traded from one team to another in midseason where 
they came in. I mean, it's not easy to learn a new a, te- a new team's playbook in the middle of a season. You know, I think you would. I think I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there were some similarities between maybe some of the language used. I think he had said that before, like some of the the language in the playbook. So it wasn't quite as much of a, a learning curve as it ordinarily might be. Like if you're trying to learn John Gruden's playbook midstream, forget about it. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it's uh, it's one of those situations with Ajayi where this guy's had a 200-yard rushing game in, in in the past. You know, we know that he can tote the rock. He's never going to be a, a 25, 30 carry a game guy here in this offense. But man, yeah, he. If you're going to have Nick Foles in there, and you know you're going to be, you know, Al, Alshon Jeffrey is not going to be playing. It would be a, a it would go a long way to have Ajayi take some of the load off. I agree. And uh, I think we will see him get involved. I think, again, uh, we talked about uh, having needing more options in the passing game earlier. I think we'll see Corey and, and I'm again, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Darren Sproles again. Yeah. I mean, it, it was it was such a bummer. We didn't get to see more of him last year when he got hurt early in week three to get him back. And he's again, he's looked good this summer. Mm-hmm. So I feel good about where he is at, uh, I think. You know, this is a game where the Eagles are going to need a spark at some point, just like we we talked about how the Eagles or Doug Peterson had that handoff to Nelson Aguilar. Maybe Darren Sproles gives a little spark in this game, and all of a sudden you're suddenly moving into field goal range instead of or into the red zone instead of having to settle for a field goal or having to right. punt. And a little play like that could be the difference. So definitely, I want to see what the the running backs do here. I think again. Uh, it's a situation where you, Nick Foles isn't going to be this guy carrying the team. Realistically, you got to give him some help and maybe take the ball out of his hands a little bit and kind of ease him in here. Let's flip the field a little bit. And let's talk about the Eagles defense uh, against the Falcons offense. The Eagles defense, that was a unit that did not look bad in the preseason. The Eagles defense really seemed to be motivated. You know, you've got a lot of returning starters here. They will be without Nigel Bradham. Uh, who's uh, suspended for the first game of the season, uh, but uh, he will be back for week two. Nevertheless, um, they're going to have to get a little bit creative at linebacker here. Um, as we know, the the, the Falcons, they, they typically like to do a lot of two running back sets. Um, Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman, both outstanding running backs uh, for Atlanta. And of course, we all know how good Matt Ryan and Julio Jones are, but um, just kind of talking about the Eagles defense as we're looking at uh, how good the defensive line paid, uh, played in the preseason and you're You've got some good depth there. I guess the interesting thing to me will be how the Eagles line up. We talked about the fact that they they don't use the will a whole lot in normal situations, but if, if the Falcons are going to play two running backs for a decent number of snaps, then you're probably going to have to use that that will linebacker. And the absence of, of Bradham in this game could be a big key. I, I can see I can see a scenario where, where Freeman and Coleman are, are having big games against them. Yeah, Brad had been a really good game against the Falcons uh, mm-hmm. back earlier this year. He had four tackles. He had one sack. He had two tackles for loss. He had one pass defensed. And then he had one quarterback hit as well. So he was definitely uh, an, an impact player in that game. And to be without him, now you're down to Jordan Hicks. And I feel great that Jordan Hicks is back. Yeah. I love having him. Um, but then you have Kamu Ruje Hill and Nathan Gary as your other two guys in there. And looking back to last year's game, and I even I didn't even have to look this up. I remembered this. I remember it was so weird that <laughs> Devontae Freeman in that game had ten carries for seven yards, wow. and he was terrible. Yeah. They, they could be, they could not run up the middle with him and get their power game going. But Tevin Coleman, you know, who was a, who was more of a different kind of runner, more you know to the outside, a little more shifty than trying to just take guys head on and run through them. He had 10 carries for 79 yards. I don't know why Steve Sarkeesian wasn't giving him the ball more. (laughs) He was averaging 7.9 yards per carry. I mean, he was much more of a threat to the Eagles defense. Um, So I I wonder if they try to get that, if they look at that and they try to get that going again this time. I mean, maybe Steve Sarkeesian is just really bad (laughs) as an offensive (laughs) play caller. And maybe he kind of just, doesn't see that or tries to overthink it. I mean, I would love for that to be the case, but I think Tevin Coleman definitely kind of is the X factor potentially for the Falcons there. Uh, Something I'm a a little bit worried about going into this matchup. I think, you know, the Eagles run defense was so great last year, but you know, it's just not the same. You, You, Timmy Jernigan isn't in there. And again, Nigel Bradham isn't here. So there are some differences uh, I don't think they're going to get killed all game long, but I, I do think, you know, in a game that might 
come down to not having a lot of points scored, that could be something that kind of uh, provides as a, an annoyance to the Eagles. And I would imagine that even in some of those two running back sets, you, you would see Malcolm Jenkins, you know, get in the box and get involved as well. And we all know how good right. he is at, at filling a lot of those holes and, and coming up and, you know, making some making some tackles up uh, closer to the line of scrimmage. And so that's that's certainly something that is that is in the, the Eagles wheelhouse. He can he can certainly do that. Um, talking about the pass rush, it's going to be important to get to Matt Ryan because when you give Ryan time, he, he can pick you apart. Now, the Eagles have a good secondary, but the, the Falcons also come out with a, a pretty good group of wide receivers, too. Of course, led by Jones, um, but they also, you know, Mohamed Sanu is a really good wide receiver. They've got a rookie out there that they that they really like. They're going to, you know, that could pose some problems here. It's a matter of getting to Matt Ryan because... BLG, if you can move him off of where off of his uh, his his little area, you can cause his spot. His spot. Thank you. Yeah, if you can get him <laughs> off his spot, you can you can get some turnovers for, from Matt Ryan. He's a really good quarterback, but only when he's not harassed. Yeah, the Eagles sacked Matt Ryan three times in the playoff matchup, and they hit him eleven times. So they were getting to him. They were affecting him. Uh, when I look at Matt Ryan, John, I, I, he's a good quarterback, obviously, a very good quarterback even. Uh, I know Benjamin Solak, I believe, thinks he's a top five quarterback. Wow. I mean, maybe but to me, he doesn't scare me. Does he scare you? Like, I, I don't think he scares me. I, I think he can easily, very easily beat you. As you said, we've, we've seen him quarterback some very good teams. I'm not saying I don't respect him at all. I just... You know, I don't think it's like, well, when Matt Ryan's on, you just can't even beat him. You know, I don't I don't think he's that kind of quarterback like you would say about Aaron Rodgers right. or or even Carson Wentz, someone at the very, very top. So I think he's kind of just below that. And I think it'll make he'll make it challenging, of course, for sure. Um, I think one of the things to look for in this game, what, maybe one of the biggest keys in this game is how the Matt Ryan's connection is with whoever the slot receiver is. They could move Julio Jones in there. It could be Calvin Ridley, as you alluded to earlier. And I'm interested to see how Sidney Jones, if it's him in there, which we would presume it would be because, you know, Sidney Jones does appear to be the slot starter based on what we saw in the preseason. Uh, that, that's a big test for Sidney. Oh, big test. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a, this is really, you know, effectively his first year of real game action. And for him to be going up against Julio Jones and Ridley, and those guys, I mean, that's a big test. I know Sidney Jones, uh, you know, showed good signs in the preseason. Michael Kist had a really good breakdown on that on BleedingGreenNation.com. But I just, I'm not at the point yet where I can just be like, oh, yeah, you know, he's going to go in there and he's going to be fine going against up these these top receivers here. So that could be a big challenge. And if I'm the Falcons, honestly, that's something I'm looking to test early on. I'm looking, all right, all right can we get Sidney here? You know, he is this new player. Uh, so that's something to look out for, I think. Um, I think this could be a field goal game, and and you know there could be a lot. Like last year in the divisional round, there were a lot of field goals kicked. There was only one touchdown scored, and you know Jake Elliott. Uh, how has he looked so far in the in the preseason? I know he's still missing some extra points here and there. This seems to be uh, there seems to be a mental block from thirty to thirty five yards for Elliott, where he just has a hard time getting it through. But uh, um, how how has he? How has we haven't talked a lot about the kicking game and the special teams? Uh, for for the Eagles uh, so far here in the preseason, how has the uh, how has Jake Elliott looked so far? Well, he did miss the two. You know, he missed the so he missed the one uh, from thirty three yards of the field goal attempt oh, in the Patriots right. game, and then he missed a thirty three yard extra point in the the Browns game. So not great. He did make a super clutch kick last week though, John, and thank God he did because mm-hmm. boy, did I not want to be there any longer than I had to watch that Eagles-Jets <laughs> preseason game. And Benjamin Solak was rooting for him to miss it and go to overtime. So, Ben, what are you doing, Come on, man? man? You're killing me. I know. Um, so, thankfully, hopefully, you know, that was a sign of resurgence. <laughs> it's crazy to me. It's just crazy. It'll never not be crazy how, uh, you know, like if, he, if that kick against the Jets, which he did make, but if it was – 15 yards back, I would feel so much more confident in him making yeah. it than it is when it's short. But um, the other thing on special teams we should note is that the Eagles did add DJ Alexander right. to their team this week off of waivers. I think that's a really nice pickup here to have him in there because um, sneakily, special teams kind of took a hit this offseason because Chris Maragos begins the season on the PUP list. Uh, Kamu Gruje-Hill 
is your special teams captain, and we should probably talk about that a little mm-hmm. bit. He was he was named one of the five captains. I love it. I love that he was named as one of the captains. Cool. But but um, uh, so he's going to be playing on defense, presumably a little bit more. So you would you know it's it's nice to have another guy so that you know you're not just running him ragged as the special teams contributor, and he's on defense. He's playing everywhere. Uh, so you have Alexander. You brought him in. And losing Richard Rodgers again, as I talked about earlier, that's kind of a hit to special teams. So you bring Alexander in. He was a Pro Bowl reserve in 2017. Uh, I like that pickup. I'm, I'm glad the Eagles were able to kind of address that a little bit there. Uh, and then on the flip side, when we're, we're talking about special teams here and you're talking about return game, uh, Shelton Gibson is listed as the starting returner for the kickoff unit. So we'll see how that goes. He was averaging around 29 yards per return in the preseason, which is good. I think he had a long of 40 something there. Uh, he, he definitely has that ability to break one big. He has that speed, but John, the most critical special teams mm-hmm. thing to watch out for on Thursday night is the fact that the Falcons, the long snapper might not play ah. like that is, it's so silly to even be spending any time on that That's in some big. ways because it's the long snapper, but and the guy who potentially is replacing him is Jeff Oerbaugh, who played for the Vikings at times last year, and he was fine. So I don't think it's this major, you know, it's not like this major issue, but it could be. Like, it could be a bad snap that leads to a missed field goal or a, a blocked punt or a, just a, a bad punt or something for the Falcons, and that ends up being the game. So that's like the smallest of things to file away for for Thursday night. If that happens, you heard it here, folks. First, yeah, you heard exactly. it here first, folks. I mean, yeah, absolutely. You mentioned the uh, the, the Eagles announced their their team captains um, for for this game, and I guess for for the rest of the season moving forward. Yes. Uh, the two offensive captains, Carson Wentz, Jason Kelsey. Not a lot of surprises there. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins and Fletcher Cox on the defensive side. But you did mention Kamu Grugier Grugier Hill is. Uh, going yeah. to be the special teams captain. I mean, it's I love it. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> kind of cool, isn't it? I like it a lot. I think uh, Kamu's a really interesting guy. Like, you think back to last year, he's the guy dumping Gatorade along with Stephen Means. Pour <laughs> one out for Stephen Means. I hope he comes back. Yeah. Um, for On Doug Peterson after the week one game. And then he's there uh, lifting Jake Elliott off the field with Michael Kendricks in week three. And then he's there dumping Gatorade on Doug Peterson after the Super Bowl. And then at one point in the season, he was kicking kickoffs. Like, it's just, I just like it. Like, Kamu is just almost like this comical character. But uh, as far as the other captains go, I did think it's a little interesting that uh, Jason Peters, you know, he was a captain last year mm. and now it's Kelsey. I mean, I think it's voted on by the players, obviously. So uh, it's not just like some random thing or the coaching is picking and there's strife. But I, I just thought that's a little interesting. And then again, Brandon Graham was also a captain last year, but it's it's Cox this year. Mm. It's only Jenkins and Wentz as the guys who are returning captains. So they get the two stars under their C on their logo there instead of just the one. But uh and well, then they always have that, a sixth captain does, as well. Does that mean anything, BLG? I mean, like, how? What? What kind of? I mean, obviously, you go to the set, you go to the the you know midfield for the for the coin toss and all that kind of stuff. But you know, the players are voting on this. Obviously, it's important right. enough for the players to vote on this. So how? What is it? What does it say that you're a, a captain two years running, or there, or maybe that you're a captain one year and you and you're not a captain another year? I don't think it's the biggest deal. I think maybe, uh, yeah, it's a it's a good question. I think. Like, why would it go from JP to Kelsey? Uh, and that's nothing against Kelsey. It's just like, well, Jason Peters, you know, he's this Hall of Famer. Like, why would you take something away from him? But and maybe he gave I it mean, away. You know, we don't know exactly, the inside story for exactly, sure. Exactly. Exactly. It could have been a situation where it's like, nope, it's, you know, it's not my time anymore. Like, it, it's Jason Kelsey's time. He had such a good year last year. He was out there. He deserves it. So I, it's not, you know, it's not a huge thing, obviously. I just, I think it's a little interesting. And I'm glad the Eagles do it now because they used to not do the captain thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they only started it back up last year. I, I just like it. I, I think it's cool to see the C patch on certain players' jerseys. So yeah, it's a little thing that I like. Yeah, a little bit of a pal- in- intrigue at the palace, and uh, you know, you never know exactly uh, how all this stuff shakes out. But um, um, well, listen, this is going to be a big game against the Falcons. Obviously, this could determine wild card seeding later in the year or conference seeding later in the year. This is a, this is a game that at the end of the season, if the Falcons and the Eagles are both fighting for. Uh, positioning in the NFC, you hope that the Eagles have the NFC East a, a strong hold on that. So you're you're going to probably be fighting with this Falcons team for for seeding later in the season. Could go a long way towards uh, towards tiebreakers, and uh, so you don't, especially at home, you don't want to drop a, a game at home to a 
a tough NFC opponent here. But um, again, uh, the Eagles have a couple, a little bit of headwind uh, facing them without Carson Wentz and without Alshon Jeffrey and Matt Collins in, in the lineup, without Nigel Bradham on the defensive side. Um, one of the things we're going to do every week uh, before we before we finish things up is we're going to BLG and, and I are going to each give a, a couple of picks, a few picks for for different games during the course of the season. And uh, we're going to start off this week um, looking at the uh, the three NFC East teams in action um, and just uh, give you our picks on on these three games here for this week. Um, BLG, do you want to do you want to kick it off here first? Um, what's your first uh, what's your first game here? Sure thing. Uh, first of all, obviously, you should be listening to the SB Nation NFC Supercast that mm, Michael Kiss put really together good. with our enemies <laughs> over at Big Blue View uh, and blogging the boys in Hogshaven. There was a lot of good insight there, so make sure you do check that out. Um, we go first here to... Uh, New York, yep. New Jersey. Some, uh, I, I think it's in New Jersey. Yeah. It's not really New York. Anyway, it is uh, the Jacksonville it's Jaguars. It's the swamp, BLG. It's just the swamp, the, swamp. the Meadowlands, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Uh, the, the Jaguars are on the road. They're playing. Tom Coughlin, now with the Jags, is now playing his old team, uh, the Giants, there at MetLife Stadium. And somehow, John, Jacksonville is only a three-point favorite crazy. against the Giants. It is um, it is Blake Bortles. It is a Jaguar. Yes, but it is also a very good Jaguars defense. Like, hello, <laughs> are people not paying attention? <laughs> the Giants are not good, you guys. Yeah. I know they got Odell Beckham back. I know they have Saquon Barkley. That offensive line is one of the only offensive lines in the NFL that has one returning, only one returning starter. Ugh. For or, or and then none of the guys have played next to each other. There is no continuity there. Now, obviously, I'm not saying like they should just keep the, the old bad guys for the sake of continuity, but they did make some theoretical upgrades by bringing in Soldier and uh, Will Hernandez there at left guard on the left side. But still, I mean, the chemistry isn't there. For however good as Hernandez is, he's still a rookie. Uh, so we you, you don't just assume this is going to be a well-oiled machine here. I think you look at this Giants roster, and even they're admitting it's not good, John. They yeah. claimed five players on waivers. That is 11% of their entire <laughs> 53-man roster was just added a week before their first game. I just do not think people are being realistic enough about the Giants. Again, I do not like Blake Bortles at all. I hate the fact that I am picking the Jaguars in some ways because of that. But, look, that defense is for real. The Giants are very much not for real. I think it would be crazy not to take the Jaguars. Yeah, no, I don't think this is even going to be close. I think this is like a 10-point win for Jacksonville on the road. I mean, I, I don't I – don't, I mean, I think they're going to be in Eli Manning's face all day long. And Blake Bortles will do enough. I mean, yeah, you've got Janoris Jenkins on, on the other side. You, you just have to stay away from him. You know, and 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 use your use your running game a little bit. We saw Jacksonville can do that. Uh, this is not your this is not your older brother's Jaguars. <laughs> this is a good Jacksonville team. Only three points. I know it's a road game. It's a, it's the season opener. But yeah, I'm with you. This this line does not make any sense to me whatsoever. I mean, if this is just Beckham and, and Barkley, and you know, you're you're thinking the Giants are going to put up 35 on on Jacksonville. Not happening. <laughs> um, let me start off with the next one. Cowboys at the Panthers. The Panthers are three-point favorites at home. Again, I, I kind of feel like this, this is not as much of a slam dunk, but I, I do feel like this is a game the Panthers will win comfortably. Dallas didn't have a great offseason. Getting rid of Des Bryant may, may actually be a little bit of addition by subtraction. Being able to move some other guys around in that offense maybe gives Jason Garrett a little bit more flexibility. At least you get a loud mouth out of the room, somebody not crying for the ball, and then not being able to get open when he says he wants the ball. I think uh, an offseason of relative peace and quiet from Zeke certainly helps. You know, we, we remember Zeke's year last year and all the turmoil surrounding it and the suspension and, and all that. And by the time he came back, really, Dallas was on their last legs. And starting off a season fresh and healthy, I think, is going to be good for Zeke. And a good Zeke means better things for Dak. But I like Cam Newton at home to start the season. And I'm still not sure what the Cowboys are. I'm taking. I would. I think this is a a five, six, seven point win for Carolina. Something like this. I, I'm taking. I'm taking Carolina at at home, giving away three. 
Yeah, when you look at the Panthers, going back to 2012, they're just an every other year team. Like in 2012, they were 7-9, then they win 12 games, then they win 7 games, then they win 15 games and go to the Super Bowl and lose, and then they win 6 games. And then back last year, they were back at it with 11 wins. So they're just on the seesaw. Every year, is they're, then they're good, then they're not good. They're good, they're not good. So uh, in one of those years, I'm looking here, they won the division at 7-8-1, which is just ridiculous. Um, yeah, <laughs> but, I forgot about but, that. Uh, I, I never know what to make of the Panthers because we all, you know, look at Cam and like that guy is super talented. And yes, he is. But sometimes he comes up small and hopefully he does not come up small this weekend in the home opener. I think when you look at the Cowboys, I just, man, I just don't. I, I First of all, if you've ever been listening to BGN <laughs> Radio, you know that I'm not a Dak Prescott believer nope. by any means. So, um, but I do, obviously I do believe in Zeke. I mean, there's nothing not to believe in there. He's a very good player. So that will help Dak, but I don't know about this offensive line, John, Travis Frederick. We don't even know when he's going to be back. He's certainly not playing this weekend and that's a big deal. Yeah. I like, look how I think about how bad the Eagles offense was looking at times when Jason Kelsey wasn't playing like the Jason Kelsey, uh, at his peak when he has been bad Right. or at times, through the, I think back in 2012 when the Eagles were missing him. It just wasn't the same team at all. Mm-hmm. So I think Frederick not being there and him as an all-pro player, that's gonna that's significant. And they have some other offensive line issues as well with um, our boy, uh, what's his name? Landon Collins in there. I mean, like, I don't, I just, I have question marks still. I don't think this is that, uh, Landon Collins, what am I saying? He's the, who is the, 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 why can't I think of the right tackle for the Dallas Cowboys? Oh, 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 um, oh, um, LSU guy. I am just drawing a blank. Um, it's <laughs> I know, I'm Lyle Collins. Lyle Collins. I was close. Sorry. I, it was L. Collins. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just I don't believe fully in all of those guys there. So, And then you look at the weapons or lack of, as we've talked about. I mean, there's no Jason Witten. There's no Des Bryant. I know uh, those guys were over the hill in, in some respects, and obviously they're out of the league now, but – I mean, the guys who are left are just really not all that inspiring. And it's not like Dak Prescott is just going to be able to make it work with any no-name guys out there. At least that's how I think about it. So I'm going to have to take the Panthers too. I feel like this is becoming too <laughs> chalk for us to take uh, not only the favorites, but the <laughs> the yeah. teams, the yeah. NFC East teams are playing. But I mean, look, the Cowboys are on the road. It could be a tough spot for them. I Again, I think I feel better about the, the Jags winning than I do this game. If we had to kind of rank it there, I'm not yeah. as confident. I think the Cowboys have a chance, a better chance than the Giants might, but I don't know. Let's move on to the final one here. All right. Washington opens up in the desert against the Cardinals. This is basically a toss up. Cardinals are favored by one in this one. Um, you know, it's uh, Washington comes in with a brand new quarterback, Alex Smith. Uh, gone is Kirk coupons. Uh, he's, he is uh <laughs> Off to the uh, off to the Minnesota Vikings, and he's their problem now. I'm actually a, I'm actually a Cousins guy. I think Cousins is a lot better than anybody's oh, ever. Oh man, we're gonna have to get into that at some point. We will. We'll get into that at some point. <laughs> Vikings week, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I I think Alex Smith is a very nice a very nice piece for the Redskins, and um, you know it's them losing Darius Geis absolutely hurt. They went out and signed Adrian Peterson. Uh, looks like he's gonna get some early downs. I'm a big Chris Thompson fan. I think Chris Thompson's got a he's ton great. of talent. But they, he's mostly a guy out of the backfield and a guy you use on in passing down, second and third down. I kind of like where Washington is, and I'm not a believer in the Cardinals right now. So I'm leaning towards taking Washington um, as the uh, as the uh, uh, the road dog here, but only one point again. It's a pick 'em. I think the Redskins win this game. BLG, how about you? Yeah, I'm actually with you there. I think Washington is just kind of being underrated around the league right I do now. Too. Again, I don't think they're. I don't think they're great. I don't think they're an elite team by any means. I just think they're not terrible. I think you see a lot of power rankings and projections, and their Washington's ranked like 25th or something. Like they're not, yeah, that's I don't think they're low. that bad. They're not, yeah. yeah, I think they're at least a top 20 team in the league. Like, at worst, I think they're just slightly below average. So, uh, and they have one of the best offensive lines in the league. Like, mm-hmm. we, <laughs> like the Cowboys get a ton of hype, and their situation probably isn't even good as Washington's right now. So uh, I do like Washington better in this spot. The only thing I say is that it can be hard to win in the desert out there. The Cardinals play better at home, I think, than we realize sometimes for whatever reason in that building. And then Sammy Sleeves <laughs> is That's out right. there. And uh, do I feel good about him? No. But, no. I mean, he hey, he had that freaking amazing game in week one last year. 
against the Saints. Like, who was that guy? And then he didn't play at all again, of course. But maybe he comes out and he's just irrationally good for one game again. So it's hardly lock city for me, but I'm certainly leaning towards Washington. All right, and because this is um, this is a, a preview podcast before the, any NFL games have been played yet this year, um, BLG and I are going to run down our NFC East uh, order and uh, just give you our, our playoff predictions for um, six teams in the NFC and the AFC real quick. Uh, BLG, let me start you off. Uh, what's your, what is your NFC East rundown here? For the first time since 2004, John, <laughs> we're going to have an NFC East repeat winner. Nice, yes. It is going to be your Philadelphia Eagles. I think they are the best team. They have the highest ceiling for sure. I think we can uh, we can all at least agree on that from this division. Uh, I think Washington will give them a run for their money in some respects, and I think they will finish number two. They have the second best quarterback and the second best coach in the division, so I will give them the respect there, put them at number two, and say that I don't think I'm locking them in for a wild card spot, but I think they'll be in the discussion for that. Uh, then I'm going with the Cowboys at number three. Mm-hmm. Although, honestly, I feel like I could flip-flop three and four. You could talk me into putting the Cowboys last, depending how this season and how Dak goes for them. But I, I'm going to stick with the Giants last just because I still think their roster isn't very good. I still think Eli Manning is washed. I don't believe in Pat Shermer at all. And I think Gettleman is kind of just a fool, to be to be honest with you. So uh, I think that's how I have it going. Eagles, Washington, Cowboys, and then Giants. How about you, John? I have the exact same order. And this is really kind of... Oh, we're so I apologize. <laughs> this is boring. Yeah, I know. But no, I agree with you. I think Washington um, has a chance. I don't know that they're going to fight for a playoff spot. I see Washington as a 7-9, and 8-8 kind of team. They'll be in it for a little bit. But I agree with you. I think on the lines, uh, Washington is clearly has the second-best offensive and defensive lines in the division. And I agree with you. I just think the Giants are, are terrible. I, I just don't <laughs> think they're very good. They got a lot of glitz at some of the, at some of the skill positions, but you, know, you, don't have, you don't have any kind of depth or any kind of solidity in any of the areas that really matter, those lines. Um, and with the Cowboys, like you said, they're, they're definitely a wild card. You, know, you can see a scenario where Dak plays like he did his rookie season. Zeke is running for 1,700 yards, and, and they figure out a way to, to, to make some things happen. But I, I'm with you. I have, I have it Eagles, uh, Washington, uh, Dallas, and then uh, the Giants. Um, running down the uh, NFC um, playoff teams, I have the Eagles, of course, winning the East. I've got the Packers winning the North. i got the yeah. Saints winning the South. Uh, the Rams winning the West, and my two wild card teams in the NFC right now are the Vikings, and there's always one surprise, and this isn't really a surprise because they really came on at the end of last year. They have a really good quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo, but I have the 49ers uh, sneaking in as the second wild card in the NFC. How about you? What are your six NFC playoff teams? I don't think I can really disagree with that just because, like, I'm a, obviously, if the Packers, like, Rodgers changes everything for the he Packers. You, you can say that roster isn't very great outside of him, and you would be correct, but it just doesn't matter. If he's healthy and he's on, that team is going to be in the mix here. I like them more than anyone in the NFC North. If he is on, he can beat the Vikings. Um, he can beat the Lions. He can beat the Bears. So I like them. I do like the Saints might be the best team in the league. Like are, like if they reach their full potential, they have that kind of talent and that potential to be that team and, and to be a very big threat to the Eagles in the NFC. So they're kind of a scary team. I'm not as scared of the Rams just because of the golf factor. Mm-hmm. I think maybe they could be due for a step back. Maybe the 49ers somehow find a way to overtake them. That wouldn't that wouldn't shock me, I would say. No, I mean, um, yeah. I do think the Vikings are good enough that they're making the playoffs in some form for sure. Uh, are, do the Bears sneak up in there? With, yeah, <laughs> Khalil the Mack Eagles? certainly doesn't hurt. You know? yeah. um, I, I don't believe in Trubisky enough to just pick them like that yet, though. So that's that's my thing with them. But I, I think overall, uh, you said it well, John, and this is going to be a tough conference, man. Like That's the thing. The Eagles could, or maybe not just the Eagles, but I think there could easily be a 10-6 and six team here that just doesn't even make the playoffs. Yeah, no, we've seen that happen before, absolutely. And we, we said it last year, too, and it's a great thing that they won the Super Bowl when they had it, the opportunity in front of them as the one seed, and that's why I kept harping on it. Being the number one seed in a conference is, an, is such a monumental advantage, and you want to take advantage of that whenever you have it because the Eagles could, you know, it looks like they're going to be without Carson Wentz maybe for a couple of weeks, maybe maybe a little bit longer, but... We were saying it. They could be a better team on paper 
and have a worse shot of making a playoff run and even you know getting back to the NFC Championship game or getting back to the Super Bowl or winning a playoff game, whatever, what what have you, you know? It just you never know because teams get better during the offseason. We saw a lot of these NFC teams load up in the offseason to try and mount a challenge against the Eagles. It's going to be really tough. That is a stacked conference. And as we move over to the AFC, you know, I think we've got a lot of similar, you know, the old familiar, some of the old familiar teams are going to continue to be there because I have the Patriots winning the East. I have the Steelers winning the North. I like the Texans to win the South. I think the Same. Texans, uh, yeah, I think it's a good team. I, and I have the Chargers winning the West. And uh, the two, my two wildcard teams are the Jaguars. And I was, I was going back and forth between the Ravens and the Chiefs. I'm going to go with the Chiefs just because I'm, I'm intrigued by, by, by their quarterback. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think Andy Reid is going gonna, is gonna to have that team with uh, Tyreek Hill and um, some of the other talent that they, some of the other positions, Kamar Hunt uh, on that team. I, I, like, uh, I like what the Chiefs have there as a, as a wild card team. But those are my six AFC squads. And I don't know that there's really, I mean, I guess a lot of people think the Patriots are going to be great again this year. And I think they're obviously going to go to the playoffs and be a, a contender for the top seed. But I don't know that the Patriots are better than any of the top four or five NFC teams this year, BLG. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think that's kind of just speaks to the disparity or the, you know, between the two conferences right now. I feel like it used to be the AFC was always just so much better. And yeah. now I think that it's really swung over. I mean, we saw Jeffrey Lurie even kind of set the table for that. He was like, hey, the, uh, the, um, <clears throat> the NFC is kind of like the Western Conference in the NBA, which, which is saying a lot because the Western Conference yeah. in the NBA is not very easy. It's tough. Um, one thing I will say, one last note on the NFC is that maybe I think I'm taking the Falcons over the 49ers. I think, uh, okay. They're good enough to, to make the playoffs here for sure. As far as the AFC goes, I don't really think I disagree with too many of your picks. I mean, the East is obvious. It's the Patriots. I think the the North is fairly obvious. I think the Steelers are still the best team there, even though we don't know when Le'Veon Bell is going to yeah. show up. And I'm kind of yeah. sweating that out for my fantasy team. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's yeah. not good. Um, I think the South, uh, the South is interesting because uh, the Jags are obviously very talented and they were last year, but I don't know. I can see them fall off a little bit just because of the Bortles factor. And mm -hmm. with Watson there, I'm, I don't want to say I'm doubting Watson because I think he showed some really legitimate things last year. But at the same time, I mean, it wasn't the biggest sample size. Like, you know, give me a little yeah. bit more before I'm saying the Texans are going to the Super Bowl or something crazy. Um, I like the Chargers, too, in the West. I think they're they're so unlucky. Every year they get so yeah. unlucky with injuries. John, they finished 11th in DVOA last year and ninth, I think, in point differential. Like they fin that's better than a lot of teams that made the playoffs. Like they're right. not a bad team. It's just they they have a home field disadvantage, which doesn't help them at all. Like they don't have a right. real home field, and they're kind of just an unlucky bunch. So maybe they get it together. Uh, I think the Chiefs. You just look for as much as Andy Reid can't win in the playoffs, he can <laughs> win in the regular season. Yes, so they're, they're going to be a good team. They'll get there, and I think that just about wraps up the AFC. All right, and my Super Bowl pick right now. I'm assuming Le'Veon Bell comes back and does enough to help the Steelers out. And I've got the Saints over the over the Steelers in the Super Bowl right now. Oh man, I wanted <laughs> to pick the Eagles. I wanted to pick the Eagles, but I just couldn't bring myself to 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 be to to go out on that limb. You know what I mean? It just it's it hasn't happened in a long time where you have mm. an NFC team go to the Super Bowl two straight years. Not what the Seahawks. When they went, uh, when yeah. they won it, and then lost to the Patriots the following yeah. year, I'm gonna say it's Eagles versus Patriots number three. Ah. The, 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 <laughs> the battle to, end, and that would be great. The battle to, to, to settle the, you know, the best two out of three now from, you know, it's the rubber match. The rubber match. It's, I think that's what I'm gonna see. Obviously, I am no way biased with this pick. It is a completely <laughs> objective uh, analysis here. But, yeah, I mean, look, jokes aside, I, I just feel like this Eagles team, they're ceiling. Like, that's what I'm looking at here. I know there's some concerns right now. I know it's not easy to get back, but the ceiling is there. Like, they have the potential to do it. Will they do it or not? You know, I don't know. But I think they have the, the potential to do it. I think they can hit their stride at some point. I think it'll be very tough. They're going to need some breaks to go their way, just like they did last year. But I think they, they have the potential to get there. And I'll take them because why not? Why not? Absolutely. No. And, you know, this could be a, a situation like 2003 where they start off one and three 
You know, that was the that was the season of the Brian Westbrook miracle punt return against the Giants that basically saved their season, got them to two and three, and then they won ten games in a row during the course of the regular season. I could easily see this Eagles team doing something like that, although they've got a tough schedule this year. But we look at the schedule every year at the start of the season, and the the games that you think are going to be really hard end up being not very hard, and some of the games you think are going to be cakewalks end up being brutal street fights. You know, so to me, looking at the schedule ahead of time doesn't do anything because the schedule never works out the way you think it's going to work out. Basically, if the Eagles can stay healthy, if they can get enough of their guys, you're 100% correct. If Carson Wentz comes back, if Alshon returns in a couple of weeks, and the rest of this team can stay relatively healthy. They overcame a lot of injuries last year. Not so sure you can do that two years in a row with the the types of people that they lost, but the one thing BLG this team has done is in some spots they've given themselves a good amount of depth uh, in order to, to battle through that, so... As for this Sunday, give me your prediction Thursday. on Eagles-Falcons. Yeah, sorry, Thursday. I'm just <laughs> conditioned to saying Sunday. Thursday night, Eagles-Falcons, what's your prediction? Oh, boy, here we go. Um, I feel like this is a tough spot for your Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. Look, it's going to be awesome to see this team raising that banner, finally. It's going to be awesome to see that mystery statue outside of the stadium yeah. of a certain two people that uh, I think people will certainly recognize. It's going to be great to see all that stuff. Uh, I just feel like it's a tough spot because the, I think the Falcons just want this game more. I mean, that's so reductive, I know, and, and very maybe simplistic to say, but I, I just think it's the truth. Like the last two times they've come to the link, because let's not forget they also lost in 2016 when they were a really good team and went to the Super Bowl and almost won before they blew it. Uh, they came to the link and lost mm-hmm. that year. They came to the link and lost last year. I think they're frustrated. I think they want to start the season off with a statement and really, you know, kind of get the revenge and, and get things going off by saying, hey, we beat the Super Bowl champs. And just the Eagles, we talked about this hangover concept for a while now, John. It's just, it's not even the mental thing as much, although that could be a factor, with just the injuries and not having Carson Wentz and not having Alshon Jeffrey and Timmy Jernigan being out. And just and not even just the guys who are out, but the guys who are playing, like Brandon Graham, or Nelson Aguilar, who have missed time in the preseason and might not be 100% to where they are regularly. So there are some issues there. With that said, this is the Super Bowl champions we're talking about here. <laughs> and this team is 15-3 and three at home in the Doug Peterson era. The Two of those losses were legitimate. They lost to Washington in 2016, and that game down came down to the wire. And then they lost to the Packers that year as well. And just they ran into Aaron Rodgers and he was red hot. I mean, what could they do? It was a rookie Carson Wentz. The third loss was last year in week 17. The Cowboys were not, you know, they weren't even trying to beat the Cowboys and they still only lost like what, six to zero or seven to zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I just think they play so well at home, especially the defense. Uh, we saw that obviously in the playoffs with the Falcons being limited and Minnesota only scoring seven points. So I think this Eagles defense will show up. They've looked good in the preseason. I think they have what it takes to limit this Falcons offense ultimately. And I think it gives them enough of a chance to win. I think we could be looking at another similar playoff game uh, or a game similar to the playoff game where it's kind of low scoring. We see the Eagles defense come out with a good performance. Maybe Ronald Darby has a pick six in there somewhere. And that kind of ends up being the difference. I think the Eagles do win this game, but I do think it could be ugly, and I think it's not going to be the Eagles team. Uh, we we're, we want to see firing on all cylinders to start the season. John, I know you're where, – where are you here? Because I know you're going <laughs> to – how are you going to – you're going to let me down? What's going to go on here? I'm going to let you down a little bit. Oh, no. Uh, and just, just because I think this team is going to get off to a little bit of a slow start this year, and I don't necessarily think it's nece- because of a hangover, I do wonder how the team will react You know, to the banner being you know, dropped down or whatever, to, whatever celebrations they're going to do on Thursday night to celebrate the Super Bowl victory. I know the players want all the, wanted all the Super Bowl stuff taken out of the locker room because they want to turn the page, they want to move on, and I think that's great. And for us fans, we, we can watch the Super Bowl highlights as, as much as we want to and, and, and revel in it and live in it, even as this season is playing out. But for the players, I do wonder, you know, if some some teams, they get a big boost and they come out firing and, and maybe the Eagles just, they roll based off of the emotion that's going to be in the stadium because it's going to be unbelievable being, you know, kicking off the NFL season as Super Bowl champions. I do think, like we talked about earlier, that Nick Foles is kind of a rhythm quarterback, and I'm not sure that he 
is going to get off to a great start here, at least in the first game, maybe even in the first couple of games. It's like I said a couple minutes ago, I think this is a team that could maybe start off one and two or two and one, but not looking very good doing it. I think I agree with you. I think this is a tough spot. I think the Falcons really want this game. If the Falcons can can basically, we talk about it all the time in sports, but in football specifically, if a, if a football team can kind of weather the storm early, get through the first six, seven minutes of a game and, and not be behind by 10 points, two touchdowns, whatever it happens to be, or even have a lead, you know, maybe you get a lucky turnover or something like that. The script flips a little bit and the home team suddenly is playing with a little bit of... Uh, pressure on themselves, I guess, with some weight on their shoulders in in some ways. And so I just think that it's going to be a little bit of, I think I just see the Eagles offense without Alshon with Nick in there and not having really gotten on track yet. I think Nick will eventually be fine, but I think it might be too late before the the Falcons win something like 20 to 16. You traitor. (laughs) I know. Listen, (laughs) I promise I, for, for everybody listening, I promise I'm, 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 I am an Eagles fan. I, I will be, I, but you know, I just it's uh, I don't think this is going to be a doom and gloom season or anything like that. Right. Just the Falcons are a real good football team, and I think this is a tough spot for the birds coming out here. I can't wait for Carson to get back. I think everything changes when Carson comes back. I totally agree, and it's very fair. I think it's a very fair uh, take to to be concerned about this <laughs> game, John. I want to thank you again, man. It's it's been a it's been a great ride here. This is an awesome first preview show. I hope people are still listening to this over an hour in. Uh, <laughs> I want to thank everyone again too for the the reviews and the ratings that have been coming in on the Apple Podcast platform. That has been great to see. It's it's so encouraging to see the the new feed being built back up. Uh, we are your favorite Eagles podcast, and you are our favorite listeners. So, and again, John, my favorite podcast host. So, thank you, buddy. Thank you as well, my my favorite three initialed uh, podcast pal. And um, that'll do it for this edition of BGN Radio, episode number six, your Eagles Falcons preview. Um, also, uh, listen to this podcast, of course, but also make sure you check out the Kisten Solak show. They're going to be giving you a really in-depth, detailed breakdown of the X's and O's of this Eagles-Falcons game taking place on Thursday night, the first game of the 2018 season in which the Eagles are defending their Super Bowl title. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next time right here on BGN Radio. That doesn't make sense. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there. <laughs>